following is a recording of a sermon given at All Saints Lutheran Church in Ottawa, Canada. For additional messages and more information, visit allsaintslutheran.ca. Hello everyone, this is Pastor Alan Gilman of All Saints Lutheran Church in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada for June the 21st, 2020. It's Father's Day and I want to wish all the fathers out there a very happy Father's Day. Now, um, Father's Day isn't happy for everyone and uh, so what I'd like to do instead of doing our normal series on the Gospel of Mark, I'd like to bring a special message today which i've entitled the father factor so fatherhood as well as manhood in general is in crisis today and statistics uh, show us the negative effects of fatherlessness according to the national fatherhood initiative which is an american organization dedicated to supporting the roles of fathers they say there is a father factor in nearly all of the social issues facing America today and that would be true for Canada as well and it's interesting in the uh, National Fatherhoods Initiative's uh, understanding of this fathers include adoptive fathers and stepdads and so when we talk about fatherlessness it's all kinds of fathers and many people um, are raised with uh, without a father at all um, or their father is there but not there and uh, it has a very profound negative effect in, in many many ways in, including uh, increase in behavioral problems uh, fatherless uh, children uh, grow up to abuse drugs and alcohol um, far in far more greater numbers than than those raised with fathers uh, those without fathers are twice as likely to drop out of high school. They're more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol. Uh, girls uh, in, from fatherless homes are seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teenager. And fatherless children grow up to be seven times more likely to commit crime. Now, even if we don't fall into, into one of these statistical categories, many of us struggle with one or more father factors in our lives. These are unresolved issues that have their roots in our relationship to our fathers. And so that's what I'd like to talk about today, as well as, and especially, how the Bible speaks into what I've heard called the father wound. And so before we continue, let's pray. Our Father our Heavenly Father, we look to you that you would help all of us, that you'd help me as I share these things and that you would help all of us watching and listening to get a better understanding of what it means that you are our Heavenly Father and, and what that should mean for our lives. We, we thank you. All of us come from fathers. Some of us are fathers, and especially those who are fathers who may or may not have good relationships with our with our children, be they young or old, today. Help us all, Lord. Help those struggling with being a father, uh, being with our own fathers or both. Help us all, Lord, to understand what uh, you being a father means and what that should mean to us and how that might help us in our own hearts and lives and in our relationship 
to our fathers, whether be al- they, they be alive or, or passed away, and with our children. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So before we look at what the Bible has to say on this topic, we'll be looking at a particular passage in the book of Ephesians. I'd like to take a few moments to, and introduce you to my father. He passed away in 2001. He was 87 years old. And this picture, and I'm sorry if you're watching uh, watch, if you're watching in audio. If you're only listening in audio, you might want to check out the video version of this. Uh, so this picture was taken. It's one of my favorite pictures of him, uh, probably in his late 70s. He was born in 1914, immigrated from Russia with his older brother and parents to Montreal when he was 12. Uh, many he was, he was one of many Jewish immigrants that came from that part of the world to Canada and the United States at that time. His, his name, his birth name, was Yoina, which is how they pronounced Yonah or Jonah. But like a lot of immigrants at that time when he went to school, um, they decided, oh, he can't be called Yoine. So the story I was told is some girl in his class said, let's call him Sam. And that's how that's how his name, his English name came into existence. He was a creative man. He had a good sense of humor with great delivery. He was very musical. He played saxophone, clarinet and guitar. He preferred jazz, more than preferred jazz. To him, jazz was the only music there was. And he took up oil painting in his late, late 50s. So he was, as I said, he's quite creative. But like many Jewish immigrants back in those days that came to North America, he worked in the garment industry. He worked in a dress factory, uh, started off in doing you know manual type labor and eventually worked up to becoming a dress designer and a supervisor of other dress designers. Uh, but his preferred way of looking at himself is best captured by this next photo, uh, which was taken in his 20s, early 20s. I think he was 20. And uh, this photo was taken in uh, the Laurentians, north of Montreal, uh, in a place near St. Agath uh, called Prefontaine, in case anybody out there knows of the area. So when he was about 13, he fell from a balcony and he broke his hip and it uh, dur- it never really healed properly. But during his, his recuperation, he limped his way to a local park where there were uh, parallel bars and other gymnastic type equipment uh, in Montreal uh, near Mount Royal. And he managed to, to work up, work up his upper body and he eventually earned the nickname Tarzan he was obviously very very strong and uh, he he used to do strongman feats in local theater Uh, he actually tore telephone books and that that's Montreal telephone books and I saw him he was in his 50s the only time I saw him do it and uh, people talk about it being a trick with him it was no trick it from the soft side of the phone book some of you've never even seen a phone book uh but though you know what i'm talking about those who know what i'm talking about and he would he would grab the soft side and it would take him a little while but he would actually break it in half it was really something to see um so his strength which obviously was a strength was also his weakness because he really thought he could resolve his problems with with his strength and that would get him into trouble um he was never abusive physically with me um but he had quite a temper 
And that was the thing that I remember in my own household, the amount of strife. My mother was, in terms of, of loudness and temper, was, was his equal. And uh, so I grew up with a lot of yelling and screaming at home. Um, and so um, in my own relationship with him, he, uh, he, he my parents separated for a year when I was about eight years old. They got back together. And then when I was 15, they divorced. I saw him for a few months after that. And then we had a a blow up between us and so I didn't see him uh, I didn't see him um, for many years after that till just before I got married and I only saw him for a few times before he died in in 2001 I, I grew up with a fa- with a father wound and the way I best understand it in my own life is while I had in my younger years somewhat of a relationship with him he was he was appropriately affectionate with me he would take me places uh, and yet often when i'd be around he'd take me out for breakfast like almost every saturday and sunday when i was when i was young and i know a lot of you know a lot of kids would have loved that but he would spend a lot of his time talking to his friends uh badly about my mother and he'd be complaining a lot and it would really wear on me um there were times where i felt that he was actually using me as an excuse to get out of the house and, and while we spent this kind of time together and he'd take me to the playground and, and, and play, um, he would never affirm me. I have no recollection whatsoever of him ever saying that he was proud of me. He never really took an interest in my life um, and what I was what I was interested in. And then he was basically gone. And so he left a, a big gaping wound in, in my own heart. And so I've struggled with with the sense, any kind of sense of identity or sense of belonging, sense of acceptance, uh, because of of my experiences or lack of experiences with him. But thank God, there's God, and there's more to this. Now, many of you know I didn't come to know the Lord until I was 19, and so I've been in renovation, uh, heart renovations, reconstruction ever since then, and God has been working on my own father wound. And dealing with the father factors in my own in my own heart and life, and so I'd like to spend the rest of the time looking at Ephesians chapter three verses fourteen through nineteen, and see a little bit of what God wants us to hear today uh, in dealing with our father factors or our father wound wounds, depending. Okay, Ephesians chapter three verses 14 through 19. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. A lot of people treat the treat Paul's letter to the Ephesians as if it's a theological treatise. They do this with a lot of the letters. They do this in a major way with the Book of Romans. They deal with with Ephesians, and they, they often were told the first half of the letter to the Ephesians that's theological teachings and and objective truths, and then the second half of Ephesians that's application. And it's, they're making it sound like it's a theology book, like a teaching manual, but it's not. It's a letter to a community in this great city uh, in ancient Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, the city of Ephesus. And Paul is sharing this because he's seeking to help 
these particular believers in that particular place to understand particular things. And we, we get to look over his shoulder as he's writing this letter. And it's a marvelous thing that has been like the other other letters in the New Testament, that these letters have been preserved so we could learn something. We could glean truth from what Paul was saying to these particular people at that particular time. And he starts off in this very unusual sort of way. And he says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, saying, I'm praying for you, the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. So what's Why does he say that? Well, there's a bit of a play on words. The Greek for father is pater. And the word for family is patria. And the words are related. Uh, and so we see here that the concept of family, that in the way that Paul is, is writing about it, is derived from the concept of father. Now, you miss that in the English. Some translations use uh, from whom all fatherhood in heaven and earth is named. Uh, some some translations say, uh, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, as if he's he's talking about uh, the the family of God, all believers in Jesus. But the Greek doesn't really lend itself to that. Th- this translation in the English Standard Version, which uh, if you look up English translations, you'll see most translations translated this way, in whom every family in heaven and earth. And the family here is is more like clan. It's this, the, those who belong, all belong to the same father. And so we derive our sense of family from the father, is what Paul is saying here. And so what he's implying is, all true identity comes from our Father in heaven. All true identity, all true Father, all true fatherhood is derived from God. And that's true whether you know it or not, whether you know it as a believer or not, whether you are a believer or not. Identity comes from God as Father, which is is just plain logical if you believe in God at all. And if you don't believe, it's still true. Who initiated us being here? Who initiated human beings? It's It all comes from God. We've come from God. And especially human beings, we're made in the image of God. And so we are connected to him in a way unlike the whole rest of creation. We, we are made a special creation by God in his image. And so the only way to understand who we are as human beings is in our relationship to our Father God. And so God the Father is the identity giver. Now, what does Paul pray to the Father for, verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So Paul is praying for these believers. They have a particular need, or more than one need, and that's why he's praying what he's praying, and he's decided to tell them what he's praying because he must want them to know that he's praying this, and it might be a little bit of get what I'm saying here that he's praying that they would have internal spiritual strength. The Ephesians needed 
internal spiritual strength. And that's what we all need. In order to be what we need to be in this life, in the world that we live in, in this COVID-19 pandemic or whatever else we might be facing, what we need is inner spiritual strength. We need resilience. The only way to deal with the pressures of life, and some of us were hardly coping before COVID-19, and this has made it worse, and there's other things happening in the world where there's so we feel the pressure of life. Well, the way to deal with pressure coming down on us is we need to have the same pressure, level of pressure, not the same problems, but the level of pressure inside us. That's how that's how a bouncing ball works. Um, I took my son Natan out uh, uh, last weekend to throw some hoops at the, at the playground. We're allowed to go to some of these parks now and 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 use and use some of the equipment. And so we were we were throwing basketball. And I, I love the bounce of a basketball. How do you know your basketball is, is is inflated properly when you bounce? It makes this kind of interesting little ding when when it's not it's not it doesn't sound like that. It, it but it's a type of ringing sound <laughs> that doesn't go ding when you bounce a basketball. And um and so we had it was a little deflated. And you know when it's when a ball is deflated and you go to bounce it, either it doesn't bounce, it still has this kind of thump thump. And a lot of our lives are going thump. We're not handling the outside pressure. We're not built up enough inside so that we go ding and, and you put in the right kind of uh, ringing noise that we all need. So uh, we need to have bounce. How do you get bounce? Well, you have to pump it full. Balls are supposed to have air. We're not supposed to be pumped, pump, pumped with air. We need to be pumped with God. We need to be pumped by His Spirit. And when we're pumped with His Spirit, I don't mean hyped up, but having the reality of the Holy Spirit, feeling our hearts, feeling our father wounds or whatever other wounds we might have, that's where we get the resilience to live the kind of life that God wants us to live. And so Paul prays to the Father that according to his riches of his glory, he may grant them, Ephesians, us, that's what we need, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in our inner being. And part of that, in order to have that to happen, we need to know who we are. And when we have a father wound, we don't know who we are. We need to know who we are. So that's why Paul prays to the Father. And look what happens as a result. When God gives us internal spiritual strength, the beginning of verse 17, so that Christ, the Messiah, the Messiah may dwell in our heart or in your, I'm going to read the verse, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So it's very interesting that he prays this. So he wants them to be strengthened with power through spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And th- so this is not so that he might take up residence. He's, he's writing to believers. Messiah is already there, but he's not at home. Many of us have a relationship with God through Jesus, but is Jesus really at home in our lives? Is he comfortable living in us in the way that he should be? And the reason why he's not really at home in our lives the way he should be is that we have a father wound that's unresolved. 
And so what we need God to do is to strengthen us first in our hearts that we would really know the Father and that he would strengthen us and then Jesus can dwell in our hearts through faith. And so this is, now this is not the only thing that happens as a result of God giving us the inner strength by the power of his spirit. The second half of verse 17 and verse 18, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. Or in other words, when we have God's spirit living in us and the father is free to do the work in our hearts as he wants to, as God begins to heal us of our wounds, including our father wounds, then we could really know his love. And our our issues are preventing us from knowing his love. But God doesn't want us to stay there. There are people watching this, listening to this right now, you are stuck in bitterness, but you don't have to be. Your father is long gone, but you have a father in heaven who wants to fill you with his love. And some of us fathers are not fathering in the way that we should because of issues with our own fathers. Maybe we can resolve them. Maybe they're alive, like we practically resolve them with our fathers. God did a real wonderful work in my own heart. And I don't have time to go into that that healing. And I I still have areas I need to grow in and be healed in. Um, Not just with my father wound, but other things. We all need to learn. We all need to grow. We all need to continue to be healed by the power of God. But God did such a wonderful work in my heart and took away my bitterness for all the would've, could've, should'ves in relationship to my own father. And and he showed me, he, he, God showed me even how, how God blessed me. This sounds a little rough to say. But my father was removed from my life. It's for most of my life that he was alive. He wasn't there. And yet God even showed me how he used that for my good. And when I was able to see that, I couldn't change it. By the time I was, I was grappling with this, my father had been dead for years. And as I dealt with that, I was praying about it. And God showed me how my, my, my father, God was blessing me, not only in spite of, my father not being around, but because of my father not being around. That may not be your case. You have a different story from me. But whatever is your story, whatever you've experienced, what you this loss that you might have, the pains that you might have, the abuse that you might have suffered. Paul says in Romans 8, God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God who are called according to his purpose. Joseph was able to look at his brothers, not his father, but his brothers, who wanted him dead, and he was able to say to them, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And so he was free from the bitterness that most people would have taken to their graves. But because he was able to see how God used his difficult circumstances, he was free from bitterness. And I don't know what you've suffered because of or of your father, what he did or didn't do, but God is able to take that and and, and show you how he has blessed you in ways that maybe you haven't accepted yet or wants to bless you in ways that you haven't yet experienced. Because ultimately, our Father is our Father in heaven. And he wants to heal us, fill us, and use us. 
So knowing who we are in God, knowing who our Father really is, and having a right perspective of life enables us to really know Jesus' love and then be able to express that love to others. And then he says, verse 19, the first part, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Let's see, let's read that again. So that you may that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. How can you know something that surpasses knowledge? This might be a dig. Paul gives a dig to these this way of thinking called gnosticism, which was an, um, a very it was a very ancient heresy that is still around today. The idea that if we only know the right things, then that's going to be what changes our lives. But knowing things by themselves doesn't make a difference in our lives. We need to experience them. And there's something about experiential knowledge that's beyond knowledge, where when you really know something, not just in your mind, but in your heart, and a kind of knowledge that you can't explain, a knowledge that you can only experience, and, and it's interesting, he's not saying experience this first and then it'll happen. That we need to come to grips of these gaping wounds in our hearts and be honest about them and offer them to God and let him fill it, fill those wounds. And when he does, then we're going to know Messiah's love in a way beyond comprehension. And he says, when this happens, the end of verse 19, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. What? Paul is praying for these Ephesian believers that they might be filled with all the fullness of God? So let me ask you a question. And I'm asking myself the same question. Are you filled with all the fullness of God? You know, we we say we believe in Jesus. We call ourselves Christians, God followers, Bible believers. But do our lives reflect that reality? When we look in the spiritual mirrors, is that what we see? Are are we glowing with God's glory? Because that's what he wants. Now I don't want to mess with don't want to you know mess with our hearts and minds. There's no heavenly ladder for us to climb to get there. All we need to do is admit that we need him, that Jesus is our answer because of his death and his resurrection. And if we would bring to him the gaping wounds in our own hearts, and maybe we don't realize that we have these gaping wounds, but we know we're not filled with God in the way that we should be, that is a sign of issues. And so let us bring our hearts to him. If we don't know what's wrong, we don't know what's causing the bitterness, we don't know what's causing the obstacles in our lives, ask him, God, I read your word and I see that your followers are supposed to shine, be full of your fullness if I was ever full, I've been leaking. Or maybe I've never known you in this way. It's just been words, just been words. You know, go to church, go to the Bible studies, do the things, say the prayers. But 
the reality of it, an experience that's beyond knowledge. Have I had that? Or maybe I had it and I don't have it now. God has so much more for us. He wants to fill us. He wants to heal us. He wants us to shine. So our father factors are are one of the things that get in the way of, of knowing God in the way that we should. And so it's time. Let God define who he is to us. Let's not make him in our own image. Let us know him as he really is, our Heavenly Father. Let him tell us what our needs really are. Let's go to him to fill those needs. Let us listen to who he says we are and what that really means. Let us stop and let him speak to us and let him hear how much he really loves us and how much he really wants to fill us. Let's pray. Our Father, would you please fulfill for us the same thing that Paul was praying for the Ephesian believers? I'm going to pray that prayer. For this reason, I come before you, Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of your glory, may you grant us to be strengthened with power by your Spirit in our inner being, so that the Messiah may dwell in our hearts through faith, that we, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all believers what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the the love of your Son that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled with all your fullness. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Happy Father's Day. Bless you, all you fathers. May God's comfort be with those of you that have lost your fathers, especially recently. May God bless all your families at this time and may the presence of our Heavenly Father be with us all. Thank you for listening. For additional messages and more information, please visit us on the web at allsaintslutheran.ca. Thank you.